Hello to all you beautiful people, and welcome to You Don't Want to Know Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys had a absolutely wonderful two weeks without me, but here I am posting on time once again, and I feel so good about it. <laughs> Let's see how long I can keep this up, hopefully for a while, but only time will tell. So I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, at this point in my life, all time kind of melts together, so I have no idea, like not not even a fathom of a clue if I posted a video after Thanksgiving. You know what? I probably did. This is not good. Okay, I definitely did. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, so I definitely posted a video after Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving once again and Merry Christmas season. Super pumped for that. Um, I don't know if anyone is like me, but I have like three presents <laughs> bought and that's it. So I need to get my butt in gear. So hopefully you guys are better than me. I would hope so at least. But if you're not, hey, welcome to the party. It's a crap shoot, but it gets done just a lot of panicking essentially in the process but that's okay so I just want to say um once again the barbarian was freaking fantastic so if you haven't watched it yet please do it because like just it blew my socks off and I just want to watch it again uh the video that I watched video what am I the movie that I watched this week was bullet train and it had a lot of good actors in it Brad Pitt was like the main dude but it had a bunch of people that I don't know the names of because I am horrible with names, but they're in a lot of movies. Um, it also had Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock in it, but they were in it for like a half of a second. So I guess that's just like the new thing people do. It's like, do you want to be in this movie? But you're only going to be filmed for like two seconds. And they're like, sign me up. This is exactly what I wanted to do. You read my mind. I just don't understand it, but it was really fun. A lot of action. Brad Pitt was actually funny. So I, I definitely recommend it. 10 out of 10. Also, I am rewatching You and it's just very well written. The one thing that I think of when I watch You though is just the fact that there was a missed opportunity for this dude. I think his name's Penny. I don't know his real name, but the main character in You, he is like so close to looking like Ted Bundy and I don't know if like this is like a dig and I hope honestly he's never gonna listen to this podcast so he'll never know that I said this but like he looks like Ted Bundy he's got the brown curly hair or blackish curly hair he even has a freaking gap between his sensual incisors which are you two front teeth for the people that aren't crazy about teeth like me so I just feel like Zac Efron did a great job in that new Ted Bundy movie like just really really good I think the writing was a little tricky that it could have been done differently, but I just feel like he looks so much like Ted Bundy and he it should have been him, but whatever. If that's not his cup of tea, that's fine. He can keep playing Will or Joe or whatever he is now. And one final thing for the rant in the beginning of the podcast is I got to go to Universal and it was so much fun. At the same time though, I was very sick. Um, not like sick sick, but like just like a cold, miserable, couldn't enjoy it as much as I should have, but it was just so worth it. I got to have butterbeer, you guys. 
if you have not had butterbeer, you have not lived. It is amazeballs. It is so good. It's not alcoholic, but it's just like happiness in a cold sip. That's the best way I can describe it to you. I also got to have a voodoo doll um, donut and my expectations weren't very high. It was really cool and I was really just getting it for the look. The one I got, and it was it was like a, a shape of almost like a ghost and it had a pretzel sticking out of it so it's like stabbed. Really funny. It looked like a blob, the one that I got. And I was like, this is poopy. Like, I don't, I didn't get it because I thought I would like it because I, I knew I wasn't going to like it. I just got it to say I got it. And just the fact that it looked so meh made me sad. So let's do better. But, oh well. I still got a voodoo doll donut and that was cool. Now, rant is over. The reason why we all came here, hopefully, the podcast, the episode is on the Conley family. So let's get uncomfortable, guys. So the Connolly family was made up of James, but he went by Jim, so I'm going to call him Jim, and Teresa. They got married and they had two children, Caleb and Allie, in Ringgold, Georgia. And they love their kids so much. They were like a picture-perfect family. They just seemed so sweet and so happy together. Like every Christmas, they would just give them piles and piles of presents. Like they just wanted to be parents. They wanted to have kids and they just wanted to spoil them. Like they would always hang out. They would do outdoor activities. Um, The daughter was just spoiled beyond belief. She was like a little princess, which is adorable. So Jim was actually a really, really successful chiropractor. He was just an all-around good guy. He ran, it's called Alpha, Alpha Wellness Center. So really quick, I did a playback and I realized that I sound really nasally. It's because I'm still getting over my cold. So I apologize. But back to the story. So Jim was a chiropractor and he chose this over the family business. His grandfather invented the first price tag machine. So his father went into that, but Jim chose chiropractic work instead. And honestly, guys, I love the chiropractor. I have gone to the chiropractor since I was young and every time anything hurts, like if I hurt my my hamstring or my forearm or just anything like that, I'll go to the chiropractor and they're always just so helpful because they know, like they're not just your back. They're like all your bones and muscles. They know it all. So definitely recommend chiropractic work. Not an ad. (laughs) So Jim was just so devoted to his job and his family, but um, people just loved him so much. He would stick with the people until he made them feel better and everyone just absolutely loved him. People said that he was one of the kindest men that they knew. So Teresa actually worked for Jim as a massage therapist. They had a 20-year gap, but they still fell in love. So it's just so beautiful. Um, They met at Jim's old job and got married in 1996. They also had Caleb that year, and they started Alpha Wellness Center. I'm not exactly sure how long they dated, but... I don't really think it's that relevant. Then in 2000, they had Allie. They both had the same goals. They worked hard so they can give the kids the life that they wanted. So just very adventurous, a lot of gifts, just all around happiness. That was their biggest thing for the kids was just to give them happiness. And they were so successful at that. There are so many home videos of this family just 
having a good time, the biggest smiles on their faces. The parents were so involved with the kids. It was actually um, said that sometimes uh, Jim would wake up his son Caleb and they would go swimming before school, which like blows my mind, but (laughs) good for them. Like they can do that. And Jim just loved being a dad. He loved having a daughter and being able to make her like a little princess, like I said. And he loved doing all different activities with his son. Teresa wanted to make sure they were really smart. So she just was having them constantly read things and just be really, um, really involved in anything for school. But in order to give them that life, uh-oh, laptop is running low. I'm gonna have to pause. Okay, I know you guys are so worried, but it's okay now. The laptop is being charged, so... Oh, no, it's not being charged. What is happening with my life? Hold on. I think we're good. We are good. Wow, what a roller coaster, but we're back, guys. Thank you so much. So, where was I? In order to give Caleb and Allie the life that they wanted to... Jim and Teresa kind of had to work hard, but that was okay because they really loved their job and what they did, but that just meant less time away from the, or more time away from the family. And they still had their like little events that they did, but they would have to take time off of work to do that. So they would work super late, well, just more than the normal eight hour day. So Caleb and Allie were always involved in after school activities just so that they could stay busy while their parents weren't able to be there for them. And even though they were really busy at work, they still recognized the important after school events. So any banquets or games, they were there. They would always make sure they were there. So even though they worked like crazy, they were still extremely attentive in their child's life which is so incredible that they were able to juggle that. It's just amazing. And Jim was just really living his dream. He had the home he wanted in the location he wanted. He had a pool in his backyard and he had the young wife, the stunning young wife and the two beautiful kids. But in 2016, like most stories on this podcast, 2016, 2006, sorry guys, everything kind of changed. So you can even see that in one of the Christmas videos that compared to the other ones, he's just not really there. He's normally up with the kids, crouching next to them as they open presents. But this time he was just kind of sitting on the couch watching, which is just really strange. And it kept happening. So Caleb would ask his dad to go swimming and he wouldn't be able to go. He would ask him to play outside and he would say, I'm just really tired. I have to sit on the couch. I can't do it right now. He would be in bed all day. He wasn't as interactive with his kids. He wouldn't go to the park. Normally they would go to the park like every day. He wouldn't get up, like I said, to uh, go swimming with his kid before school. And everything was just really off. He had first blamed it on the holiday season and maybe he was just like really tired because Lord knows I'm already freaking exhausted, but it's fine. I'm only 24 and I'm already always tired. So whatever. Uh, but so it was just really out of character. He's getting older. So maybe it's just hitting him a little bit harder. Um, he didn't want to go to the doctor because of it. Cause he just kind of thought like, I'm just tired. Why would I need to go to the doctor? Eventually he did though. And he found out he had Lyme's disease and Lyme's disease is the disease that you get sometimes after a tick bites you. And it's just draining a draining disease and it has 
it starts off, I should say, with flu-like symptoms, and that's what he had, but it would slowly get worse. He even had a hard time at work because being a chiropractor is an extremely physical job. You're like pushing on people to make their bones do weird things to help them. So he had to start working less and less. And at first it's like, okay, you were working like 10 to 15 hours a day or whatever it was. And now you're going to cut back to a normal day, which is fine. But then it slowly got less and less. And then it was four days a week instead of five and then three And it wasn't because he was being lazy. It was just because he didn't have it in him. So it was just really hard. And Teresa had to pick up the slack, essentially, with her massages because she was that um, professional massage therapist person at the job. So it was just, it was really hard on the couple for obvious reasons. I mean, it's not something that gets cured. And it would be easier if you're like, had a light at the end of the tunnel, but there really wasn't, which is unimaginably hard for Teresa. Ooh, that was really creepy. I just saw a light in the window and I got freaked out. I really hope it's not annoying because I feel like I do that a lot where I like just kind of jump to something that just pops into my head, but it's my podcast, so I'm gonna do what I want. So back to the story once again, because I can't keep it on track. Things were just really hard for Jim and Teresa with his illness, but things started to uh, turn around for them. Teresa found out that she was pregnant, and they both just got so excited. They loved their kids, obviously, and they were excited to have another one. Things were going really well in their marriage. They were bonding again, but unfortunately, there was another downfall. Okay, it's just a reoccurring light. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just freaking myself out. So she got an ill, uh, the, the placenta, it was placenta per, pervia, I think it's called, at five months. And the doctors had to perform an emergency C-section, but the baby did not survive. So this was just a huge blow on the family, which is completely understandable. Teresa, the sickness was so intense for her that it, she, it just took forever for her body to recover from it because it was just so bad. So with her recovery, meant that she couldn't work, meaning that really no one was working in the family at this point, which meant as well that their lifestyle had changed. They could no longer keep living the way that they did with all the uh, presents they would give the kids. So it was just affecting so much in their life. Checks were starting to bounce and Jim was just really feeling like he was failing the family, which... He wasn't, obviously, but I understand why he felt that way because you just want to know that you can provide for your family. So it gets so hard and I just can't imagine what he was feeling. Both of the vehicles got repossessed and actually the bank was about to foreclose on his home. And to top it all off, his practice was going down the drain because he had no one to work for it. No one was able to provide any services. And people closest to Jim started to see him change. He normally talked about his family every time anyone would have a conversation with him. If he would just call someone, he'd talk about his kids and his wife and how happy he was. But now he just wouldn't even bring it up because I think he just was having such a hard time with it. The only thing that was really saving the family was the fact that the grocery store owner allowed them to open a line of credit and the owner never really charged him, which just goes to show that being a good person can help you later in life. 
it may not be as evident, but like Jim was just a good guy and people wanted to help him. So be better, guys. No, I'm just kidding. But just be nice to people. So another thing that started happening was the marriage was just really falling apart. Jim and Teresa started fighting a lot. And their son has a memory of hearing them fight constantly. But one specifically was someone threw like a tin of popcorn. I don't think it was at anyone, but they were just so frustrated that they like just threw it down. And the dog started eating popcorn. And it stuck with him because he just really liked popcorn. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. So it was just so evident that so many things were going wrong and they just couldn't hold it together. Everything just kind of felt like it was about to explode. Um, where was I? Do you ever just like look at something you do and you think, what was I thinking? Like, it's like that meme where it's like, do you ever look at someone and think, what's going through your mind? That's how I feel about my past self. What were you thinking? Okay. (laughs) I think I understand. Uh, Teresa eventually recovered and was able to start preparing to get back to work. But like I said, they didn't have a car. So she called her parents and they said that they would give her a car. So on June 29th, 2007, at 8 a.m., the family, um, Teresa and Caleb and Allie, not the dad, Jim, and a family friend, Robin, were getting ready to travel to Knoxville to um, get their parents' car. So they were using a rental car, but obviously that would be crazy expensive to have, like just for a couple days, but they had to use it to travel. So they were going to take that rental car to their parents' house, and then one of them was going to drive the rental car, one of them was going to drive the new car back home so they could return the rental car and save some money. Great plan. So they pack up into the car and get ready to leave. Then 90 minutes later, everything just kind of went completely and totally wrong. Teresa gets a phone call and tells her friend Robin to pull over immediately and Teresa goes into a field right next to the road and just completely collapses. And from that phone call, she found out that 90 minutes after they left, the police saw smoke coming from the direction of their home and neighbors actually called the police as well to report a fire. Fire trucks came and put out this big fire that was going on so it was very 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 intense and when it was finally out they went in and they found a body in the master bedroom and it was later identified to be Jim Conley at age 57 so he was the casualty of the fire and he died at 57 so originally the fire was ruled as an accident but once they started to find out like more details like where the fire was started they realized that there was accelerant next to it because originally they just thought it was like casual whatever I guess um the mother well just the family would like burn paper outside which I didn't think was something a lot of like city people did because they lived in like a neighborhood it wasn't just like one house in the country Because my family, like, sometimes they would do that or we would have a fire and we would burn, like, cardboard or something. I don't know if that's bad. We don't do it anymore. But I just didn't think it was something, like, people did when they lived in neighborhoods. But they did that. So I don't know if the police knew that and just thought, like, some ash came onto the house. But as soon as they saw that accelerant, they got super suspicious. So the fire was started in the family office right next to the wall that is shared 
with the bedroom. So the bedroom is on the other side of the wall. So they came to the conclusion that it was no accident and they assumed the fire was started to murder Jim. And there was this article that I read about this case and it just seemed kind of weird. It had a different tone than everything else, but they said, or it was stated in the article that the fire, they thought it was someone on purpose, but the door was closed. So I don't know if we could call it like a murder if they were doing it on purpose to murder him. And I'm like, okay, fire isn't going to stay in one room because you closed the door. Like, are you kidding me? My eyes rolled so hard. They almost fell out of my head when I read that. So once they realized that it was not an accidental fire, the Catoosa, Catoosa, I think is how you say it, County Sheriff's Department started their investigation And on July 15th, they brought in Teresa and asked her to describe that day. And I watched this interview. I like listened to it. It's not very good quality of like picture, but I listened to it. And at one point, um, she's like, well, I got up, we made our coffee and we talked and she goes, we talked about husband and wife things. And she just seemed like super annoyed and spoke very quickly like she didn't want to talk about this I think but ever like okay so everyone always says like you everyone grieves differently so you can't like hold it to her if that's like the way she is after a death but I just found it weird the way she was acting you know like she was like well this happened and this happened and well we just talked about husband and wife things like you know every day like I don't know what we talked about but then she really like it I don't know if she like checked herself and realized oh this isn't how I'm supposed to act, but she really pumped the gri- pumped the brakes and uh, just started to speak with a lot of sadness in her voice when she was saying like, and then I left him and that was the last time I saw him, which could either mean like she's been pushing this off. There, it's just so much to analyze. And obviously that is not even a little bit a part of like my expertise. I'm just giving like the very surface level thing that I caught myself. So if you if you look at my way it makes sense like she is just trying to be helpful for the police or seem helpful and then she realizes how she's acting and changes right away or she has been putting off this death for the longest time and maybe trying to like be strong for her kids and then as she's speaking to the police she's realizing what happened and that's why she's breaking down so there's two ways to look at it who knows what's right I definitely don't So she said she didn't know, or she didn't leave any later than 8.30, 30 minutes before the fire started, or could have been started, 30 minutes. But the police started asking around the neighborhood to see if they could find any suspicious behavior. They aren't trying to um, incriminate Teresa at this point. They're just trying to see if anyone had seen like a weird car or maybe a weird person walking down the street who might have started this fire. And they found out through this search that Jim had literally zero enemies because everyone loved him and no one could even like imagine anyone doing this to him. Someone did say that they thought they saw the PT Cruiser, which was their rental car, leave the home about nine o'clock, which like good for them. But how would you know that it's like, no, it was nine o'clock because the sun was in this, this angle in the sky. And at nine o'clock, that's when this bird starts singing and the bird was singing when I saw it. I don't know. 
I just thought it was super funny because like I literally can't even remember what happened on Monday. So fun, fun story about me. I am substitute teaching and that requires me to like have a very sporadic schedule. So like I'll be at one school one day and in one subject another day, you know. So I was teaching first grade for like three days and then I went to like seventh grade and I was like, oh, one of the one of the teachers I, I sub for complimented me and was like, can I have your information so I can contact you if you want to sub? And I was like, oh yeah, here you go. Like, thanks so much. That's so kind. And then I was like, that was on Monday. I don't remember a single thing on Monday. So I have no idea how this guy could say, I saw this car at this time on this day, like four months ago, or not four months, but like weeks ago, I was like, wow, I need help because I can't even remember four days ago. I had no memory of that class. I just remember like what the classroom looked like. So this just made me laugh. Like, how do you remember such a specific thing and the time it happened? But whatever. So the police go back to her story and see if they can catch her in another lie because of the 839 o'clock discrepancy. The police remembered that she said, or they recalled in the tapes, that she said that she left Chick-fil-A almost exactly after they left to they left the home. So they go to Chick-fil-A and they have CCTV footage. So they go through and they find the rental car or they find a silver PT cruiser, but they realize Teresa's not driving. It was Robin. So they realize this is the car. It was 9.26 that they found the car, and it was only seven a seven-minute drive. So it's very clear that Teresa was not being honest. They even went to find Robin, the driver of the PT Cruiser, and first off, she said that she they didn't leave at 8.30, for sure, and that she doesn't even remember seeing Jim that day. She never saw Jim that morning. So police go back to the scene because things are starting to get a little stinky. And what they find, man, they find divorce papers. And in Teresa's original interview, she said that everything was fine in the marriage. They were just going through some issues with financial stuff and that put some tension, but they were still happy. Well, I think divorce papers would say differently. So they found the divorce papers, but they also found something else that is extremely interesting. Can anybody guess? Didn't think so. Uh, they found bags and like um, like clothing, what are they called? Clothing hampers of children's clothes, of their children's clothes in the garage untouched by fire. So that means that, well, essentially what it happened, I shouldn't say what means, someone must have taken like half of the kid's clothes and put it separately so it wouldn't be touched by the fire. So they take all of that and they really are starting to build up a case against Teresa because like it's just so much that doesn't look good for her because who else is going to put those clothes to the side? So on July 9th, on July 9th, excuse me, they bring the entire family in, the kids as well, and they just try and see if they can get anything. Kids are really looking to, um, or excuse me, the kids, the police are really looking for the kids' stories and for them to incriminate their mom, which is a very bold move in my opinion because they're not 18. I believe it's like, yeah, so Allie's five and Caleb's 11, so they need their parents' consent, if I'm correct, which I'm pretty sure I am, 
they need their parents' consent to testify or to give any kind of advice or to speak with police. So that's like a very, very, very bold move, to me at least. And who knows, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. So this poor little girl, this just really breaks my heart. This poor little girl doesn't understand her dad passed away. They Obviously, she's five. She doesn't understand life or death. Like when someone dies, they're gone, you know? So that's just so hard for she just doesn't understand so when she's in the interview she's just like fine it just makes me so sad like i want to give her a hug the ted excuse me the detective asked her about her clothes and she said that they're from home and her mom brought them to the hotel that they're staying at sorry my water bottles make me weird noise i hope you didn't hear that um so their mom bought them at the hotel and she's like, yeah, these are ones that are fine. They didn't get burned. These ones are good. They smell a little smoky, though. And the detective, like, goes on. He's like, well, so half of them are okay? Did your mom put them to the side? And she's like, yeah, I guess my mom did put them to the side. I don't know. So they're like, okay, there's one. That's good. So this means that Teresa removed some of the kids' clothes. So there's that. Well, they ask Caleb, and Caleb denies it. He flat out says, no, my mom didn't do that. And I don't think they're trying to push him too much. So they just kind of leave it at that. Because of fishiness, they actually have Teresa take a Polaroid. Oh my gosh, you guys. I am so dumb. I re-listened to my episode because I do that. I'm a narcissist. I listen to my own podcast. It's polygraph, not Polaroid. I'm so embarrassed. Which I don't know if fishiness is a word, but you know what? It's going to be a word on my podcast, but they have her take a polygraph test, which this blew my mind and I hope it is no longer the case. But in Georgia, polygraph tests are admissible evidence in court, which scares the crap out of me because that's just bold to say the least. Um, So obviously she was asked, did you start the fire? And things very similar to that and she was like no no I didn't and the police basically say straight up there are problems with the test and I think you know what that means when there are problems it means you're lying on everything and whenever I think of polygraph tests I always think of the MTV show X on the beach just because it's so funny how everyone thinks that they're in love in this show and then they leave and you get like a recap and they're like yeah so they were in love here but he was texting her at the airport blah 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 whatever it just made me laugh when he was like when you get it messed up you can only be right or wrong and it's like well you can get like a nothing and be a sociopath which some people got on x on the beach which cracks me up but back to the story so while Therese they were trying to like get Teresa to fess up like say like yeah I did it she said he told me he wanted to die and literally the police were like what they couldn't they didn't think that would even have like they didn't even fathom that that could be a response like they had no idea it just wasn't even in their mind like thinking like oh he started a fire to kill himself she had basically said that he wanted to do this and to not ask him about it but later which like doesn't make any sense she's like i loved him more than my own life so like why would you let him do that so she's basically she said that before he, she left he was like i just want to i want to do this I, I need you to go out I need you to leave and don't ask any questions and she's like well what do you mean 
and he's like I need to make this right or something like that it was basically him saying he's gonna hurt himself in some way without saying it like verbatim and she was like well what are you doing blah 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 and he's like just leave it at that just leave it at that and then if that were true then she did what he said but you Teresa you're saying that you love your husband more than your own life wouldn't you fight him on this like you're being really dumb with your words because I just don't I don't follow your logic there so this throws the officers off completely like I said because they were not expecting it and she even repeats herself he told me and then she, she says he told me to leave the house and police ask why they that she didn't share this information with them sooner her excuse and let me break this down for you so you follow because it's confusing she said that she would rather blame herself before saying it was her husband but she didn't do that once again she blamed her husband saying he said he was gonna do this before you even brought this up so it's like dude you're just lying and lying and lying it's so stupid and then she goes to blame the Lyme's disease. Oh my gosh. She goes to blame the Lyme's disease, saying that he was so stressed out by it and that he had depression. So luckily, the police aren't stupid and they don't buy it. They just say, you keep lying to us. We don't believe you. First, she lies about when she left. Then she lies about the happy marriage. Then she lies and said her husband did it. Like they have no reason to believe her. And they even say that if you keep lying, it's just going to keep getting worse and you need to be more honest. So later on down the road, I'm not really sure exactly when this is, they get the coroner's report and they found that Joe, Joe, gosh, I'm so sorry, Jim died from smoke inhalation and he even had um, burns on his feet, which kind of leads them to believe that he was trying to stomp out the fire. Also, what I just want to stop and kind of think about is how terrifying it must be to have to be in Jim's situation. So I just want to make sure that we're still remembering Jim in this moment and not just from thinking about the drama that's going on, but just the fact that he had been put in this room to die, essentially. Like, we don't know if he was drugged or anything like that to make him sleep longer, but obviously he was awake because we found, or the coroner found, these smoke burns on his feet so gosh I just I can't even imagine what he was thinking about well he was probably thinking about his family and he was probably scared so it's just it's so sad and I hope that he somehow found peace in this time somehow some way but man it's just so sad so the police finally just kind of say we don't believe you because you've lied so much and because of everything we have, we can get warrants for a murder. So 10 days after Jim's murder, Teresa is arrested for his murder. And Teresa gets an attorney almost right away. The only issue with this is that almost all the evidence is circumstantial. So they really need to find something that's pretty freaking solid to make these charges stick. They start acting asking around the office and close friends so not just the neighborhood now and this is where it gets kind of like crazy people have been saying that Teresa this get ready guys like buckle in because it's what does nuts Teresa has been having affairs 
She's been using meth and weed and putting lithium in Jim's coffee. So I am going to give this a grain of salt. Just one grain of salt. Because this was only like in one report. It was a pretty credible report, I will say that. But it was in one. And this is just insane to me. Plus, it said that Jim had a suspicion. And I think he even called her out on the lithium in the coffee. But he kept drinking the coffee. So that doesn't make any sense. So I found like a couple things like that were that were kind of weird. They were saying like Teresa bringing clients or bringing her affairs into her office. And it's like, that just seems so sloppy. Maybe she was just really confident and didn't care. I don't know. But it just, it was wild to me. So once they kept digging, they found all that stuff out or presumably they found that stuff out. They also found out that the house was going to be foreclosed on in 30 days and Jim had a life insurance policy of $500,000 and it was all going to go to Teresa. So not sure how quickly that would have happened, but they found that. So the police brought the kids in again to see if they can get any more information out of them, which is just so sad, but I think that the kids would be okay with it at this point because they're just trying to find justice for their dad. So Allie said that everyone was packed in the car the day that they were going to leave, that their mom like put everything away, and she was a little Georgia peach, so she's like, my mama did this, my mama did that, and it was just so cute. Um, but she said that she her mom packed everyone in, and then she went back into the car. And Robin said that she, or excuse me, the house, not the car, she went back into the house. Robin said that it was for about 15 minutes. And Allie said as they drove away, she saw smoke coming out of the house. And once they interviewed Caleb, they said, like, is everything good between your parents? And he's like, oh, yeah, everything's good. You know, everything's great. And then they asked about the smoke. And they were like, Caleb, so we heard that smoke was coming out of the house. And he was like, yeah, there was smoke coming out of the house. And I actually asked my mom about it. And the mom was like, oh, you know what? We're just burning some boxes but he didn't see any boxes being burnt. He just trusted his mom. So that was pretty, pretty, pretty big news. Pretty big evidence of something. So once all this happened and Teresa found out, she got with her attorney and she made up a new story. Like, honestly, it just doesn't make any sense. So she said she and Jim made the plans to set the house on fire and Jim was killed in that process because it got out of hand. It wasn't on purpose. With all the evidence against her, the attorney suggested that she take a plea deal because it looked really bad, and she took it. On the, on the grounds that it was an accident, she did start the fire, but Jim died on accident. It wasn't on purpose. So with this, she could get freedom potentially, and she wouldn't have to have her kids testify. So this is like the one noble thing about her at this current moment. So, and it's, they would have to testify because they had that evidence saying like the clothes were um, put to the side and they saw the smoke. So like I said, she takes the plea deal to spare her kids. And this way, like she can kind of find a grounds where she wouldn't get life in prison. So, well, she would get life in prison, but she would have the possibility of parole with this plea deal. So she admits to starting the fire, but she did not admit 
to intending to murder her husband, which like friggin' A, dude, like I just don't I don't I can't even with her. I can't even start with her. So in 2010, she was sentenced to 30 years to life in prison. So in after 30 years of her prison sentence, hopefully, and I mean hopefully as in like I hope it's 30 years and nothing shorter, um, she has the possibility of parole. So we'll see what happens there. She was convicted of arson, but the malice murder was dropped in the plea deal and it was changed to a felony murder. And to explain that, malice murder means that it was intended and the maliceness of the murder would have been the fire. But it was changed to a felony murder because in Georgia, no matter what, if there was a felony committed, which was arson, and someone died as a result of the felony crime, it would become a felony murder. It doesn't matter if the murder was intended or not. And in this case, I don't know if it was like officially put in the books, but she says that she did not intend to kill. So that's why it's stated that way. Teresa's friend, Robin, the driver who was helping her out, um, she was cleared. They found that she had no connection to like knowledge of what Teresa was planning. But some people, friends of, friends and family of Jim, were really, really salty about this, which I'm kind of on the fence on. I don't know how I feel, but it's because Caleb mentioned that he saw smoke and she didn't stop the car and investigate, which you could look at it two ways. You see smoke, you check it out, or you see smoke and the mom says, no, it's because of this. So you trust the mom because the mom's one of your friends. So like if one of my, like my brother or my sister said something like that, I'd be like, okay, yeah, obviously I trust my sister or my brother because they know what they're doing. But I don't know. It's just, it's really hard and it's easy to place blame. And it's easy to say like, if you would have done this, if you would have done this one small thing, my son, my friend, my brother, whatever, could have been alive. So it's tough. But Caleb said that he still keeps in touch with his mom, which that's got to be hard. So hats off to him for being able to do that. But he said that they can't talk about what happened. I don't know if he just doesn't allow it or if they bring it up, they both get upset with each other, whatever it is. But he said he can't talk about it and he they just talk about what could have happened with their lives. Like if the dad was alive and the mom wasn't in prison, what could have been with their lives essentially. At this present day, Teresa is still in jail in the Paluski State Prison in Hawkinsville, Georgia. Caleb says that he still, oh, I already said that, just just joking guys. Um, I think it was uh, Jim's sister that said this. Uh, she said, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Love your family and let them know you love them. Cherish the people in your life and let them know. And then Caleb said, he should be remembered, Jim, his dad should be remembered as loving as the loving and caring person he was. He was always kind and smiling and loving. He truly cared about people. So let's just always remember it like Jim and honestly take that quote and put it to your lives because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You never know what could happen. So that's the story of the Connolly family and just the horrible events that happened. So biggest takeaway, tell your friends, tell your family that you love them 
and just be nice to people. Be like Jim and stay away from the forest. Don't get ticks because Lyme's disease sucks. So I'm sorry to anyone that's affected by that. But thanks guys for listening. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to talk about, I didn't talk about at the beginning. It is Halloween. Mm, Halloween. Wow, that just shows that Halloween is always on my mind. It is holiday week for the network I'm a part of, the Titan Media Collective. And we're doing events this whole week. So let me pull up the schedule. Probably should have done that before. So tomorrow is the 12th. We are doing a holiday trivia. Then um, Tuesday, we're doing a community night. And Thursday is what I'm excited about. Halloween Horror Podcast. And you guys better believe that it is your girl coming in clutch for that. At least I think I am. I'm going to prepare for it. And if I'm not in clutch and like directing it, you guys are just going to get on another podcast on what I do research on. But then Saturday, the 17th, we're doing a cookie contest, cookie decorating contest, which I'm also extremely pumped about. So if you guys want to go on to the Titan Media Collective, it's a there's a website for it. You can find all that information on that. Um, but thanks for listening, guys. I hope you guys have the best Christmas. I hope Santa brings you all the gifts. I hope Krampus does not come. So be good, guys. For goodness sake, be freaking good. Gosh, be good. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. If you have any case suggestions or stories you want to tell me, or just any subjects you want to hear about, you can email me at ydwkpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook and see pictures of the case, ydwkpodcast on Facebook and Instagram. But if that's everything, which I believe it is, thanks once again for listening and have a great week. Bye bye.